This is a Squiz Kids podcast. Your fresh take on what's happening in the world around you. Each week we give the world globe a spin and see where we land. Then we take the kids of Australia on an audio excursion to visit that country and its people. I'm Amanda Bauer and today on Squiz the World we're visiting, well, actually, let's see if you can guess. It's the home of Hello Kitty, sushi, sumo wrestling and unbelievable school lunches. That's right, we're going to Japan. Strap yourselves into the Squiz Kids Super Fast Supersonic Jetliner as we head north to take a squiz at the 6,852 East Asian islands that are Japan. Just the facts. If you zoom in on a world map, you'll see that Japan has a lot of neighbours. South Korea is just 50 kilometres away from Japan's Tsushima Island. Up in the north, Russia is just 40 kilometres away from Hokkaido Island. Taiwan and China are also close by. About 66% of Japan is covered in forest and only 421 of those 6,852 islands have people living on them. The biggest and most populated island in Japan is Honshu. That's where the capital, Tokyo, is. Many of you probably have a picture in your mind of Tokyo. Lots of people, buildings, neon lights. Tokyo has 6,158 people per square kilometre. Sydney, on the other hand, has 442. I've put a video in your episode notes of the world's busiest pedestrian crossing in Shibuya, Tokyo, where about 2,500 people cross the street every time the little man turns green. See if that's what you were imagining. Tokyo is also where Japan's 126th emperor, Emperor Naruhito, lives. An emperor is similar to a king. Japan's emperor has had different powers throughout history, but nowadays it's just a ceremonial role, meaning that the emperor might open buildings or attend important events, but he doesn't have any influence over the government of Japan. In fact, Japan's constitution bans him from making any political statements. So yes, Japan's 126 million people live in a democracy. They also live on what's known as the Ring of Fire, We talked about that in our shortcut to earthquakes and volcanoes. I'll put a link to that in your episode notes. What it means, though, is that there are about 1,500 earthquakes in Japan each year. Most of them are mild, but every now and then, there's a big one. Whenever you travel, it's important to learn a few words in that country's language. It's a great way to show respect. So let's... Learn the lingo. The official language here is Japanese, although if you're a native speaker, you'll call it Nihongo, and you'll call the country Nihon. It means where the sun rises, and that's why you might hear people call Japan the land of the rising sun. It also explains Japan's flag, which is a red circle in the middle of a white background. Japanese people call it the flag of the sun. So let's learn some Nihongo. We are so lucky to have a native-speaking squiz kid, Anna, here to help us. Take it away, Anna. Hi, my name is Anna, and I am nine years old. I live in Sydney, and I speak Japanese because my mum and dad are from Japan. Here's how you say, hello, how are you? Konnichiwa, genki desu ka? And this is how you say, thank you, arigato. 
And this is how you say goodbye. Sayonara. Arigato, Anna. If you get a chance, check out Anna's amazing hair on our social media feed. I wonder if she's ever had it cut. Now that we can communicate a little bit, it's... Time for school. The school year in Japan starts in April and finishes in March. And you start year one in the April after you've turned six. And in primary school, you'll learn Japanese, maths, science, social studies, music, PE. That's all pretty familiar to us here in Australia. But kids also learn simple cooking and sewing, calligraphy and haiku writing. A haiku is a very short poem. It's just three lines and those lines follow a strict rhythm. There are five syllables in the first line, seven in the second, and five in the third. Here is the world's silliest haiku, in my opinion, with a little audio magic to show you the syllables. Haikus are easy, but sometimes they don't make sense. Refrigerator. I have no doubt that every Japanese school kid learns to write much better haikus than that. Now, without a doubt, the thing that I love most about school in Japan is lunchtime, which is called kyoshoku. Principals say it's just as important as any other time at school, and that's because kids aren't just eating. They're serving the lunches themselves, learning about the ingredients, and practicing good table manners. Every school has its own nutritionist, a person whose job it is to help people eat a healthy diet. They get locally grown ingredients as much as possible and plan out the meals for the school kitchen staff to cook. So what's on the menu? Well, there are soups full of seasonal vegetables, stews, grilled fish, seasoned rice, noodles. And you know what? It must be delicious because there are actually kiyoshoku restaurants for grown-ups who miss their school lunches. I've put a really excellent video in your episode notes where you can see Kyoshoko in action at one school. It's had 35 million views. Japanese kids bring their own placemats, chopsticks, toothbrushes and cups each day. They serve each other the food, they clean up after, and then once lunch is over, students brush their teeth and then spend 20 minutes every day cleaning their school. Pretty different from how I remember lunchtime at my school in Perth. Speaking of food, you'll be extremely impressed by how much one particular group of Japanese people consume. Yep, I'm talking about sumo wrestlers. It is definitely sport time. Sumo wrestling is more than 1,000 years old and is the national sport of Japan. It started out as a religious dance with one person wrestling against a spirit. Nowadays, of course, it's a professional sport in which two wrestlers push, shove and grab each other, trying to be the first to push the other one down to the ground or out of the circular ring. There are still lots of aspects to sumo that are religious though. I've put a great video in your episode notes to learn more. Now, being big and heavy is obviously an advantage in a sport where you're trying to push someone over. And the average weight of a sumo wrestler is 166 kilos. The average Japanese man, who is not a sumo wrestler, weighs 62 kilos. So that gives you a sense of how big those wrestlers are. It takes work and food to get that big and strong. Most sumo wrestlers live together in what's called a stable, 
Makes them sound like farm animals, doesn't it? They wake up, do not eat breakfast and get straight away stuck into a five-hour training session. Apparently, if they had anything in their stomachs before such an intense session of pushing, shoving, hitting the dirt and getting back up again, it wouldn't stay down. So lunch is a big deal. They're hungry. Sumos eat a lot of fatty meat as well as fish, rice and noodles and, of course, veggies. They eat more than double what the average person does in one day. And because professional sumos compete every second month all year long, they have to seriously train and eat all year round. So if we all promised to run around a lot today, do you think we could eat like sumos tonight? Yes, I think it might be. Dinner time. The dish most associated with sumo wrestlers is called chanko nabe. It's made in one pot by cooking meat and vegetables in a broth called dashi. Dashi is a really important ingredient in Japanese cooking. It's made out of seaweed and dried fish, and if you've ever had miso soup, you've had dashi. Chankonabe is actually pretty healthy, especially if you put lean, which means not too fatty, meat in it. One of the reasons it's associated with wrestlers is that it's easy to make a massive pot of it, which is what's needed in the sumo stables to keep all those big fellas happy. And once they retire, sumos still love their chanko, as it's known for short. Lots of former wrestlers open up chankonabe restaurants. I've included a typical recipe in your episode notes. You can use any kind of vegetables, but chicken meatballs are a really common ingredient, along with other proteins like tofu, pork and prawns. Do it your way. Time for the quiz. This is the part of the podcast where you get to test how well you've been listening. Question number one. Name one of the two countries that are within 50 kilometres of Japan. That's right, Russia and South Korea. Question number two. What do Japanese school kids do after lunch? You got it. They brush their teeth and then clean the school. Question number three. What is the name of the short poems that Japan is famous for? Good memory. It's a haiku. That's all we have time for today. Thanks for staying curious about the world and joining me on this incredible trip to Japan. Now get out there and have a most excellent day. Over and out. Over and out.